Welcome to Above and Below, a Salt Life podcast where we're going to be exploring above and below the surface. We'll take in a deep dive into the world of fishing, diving, and surfing. Every week, we're going to sit down with experts to learn more about them and get their freshest, hottest takes on all things salty. All right, everybody, welcome back to Above and Below, a Salt Life podcast. I'm your host, Kieran Anderson, and today we have Chris Gillette on again with us. How are you doing, Chris? Good. How are you doing? Good, dude. Long time uh, no talk. It's been a minute, but uh, we wanted to bring you back on and talk to you about uh, wildlife biology because you are the man, the myth, and the legend behind uh, wildlife. So, Yeah, thank you. Thanks for having me back on, too. Absolutely, dude. Uh, Yeah, last time we talked to you a little bit about that, wildlife biology, and... uh, kind of your background, but, um, I definitely brought into consideration you just with wild animals every single day. Um, but we really want to try to focus on wildlife biology because that, that is your background, right? Go you. Yeah. So, I mean, as far as like educational background and whatnot, I have a bachelor's science in environmental studies with a focus in conservation biology. And so, um, that's a field that I've been very passionate about my entire life and, you know, just trying to save animals. Um, most people know me from my work in tourism, you know, which is definitely, it, it is a form of conservation because I'm trying to educate people about animals, but then also people are watching because they think I'm going to die, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, let, let's be honest. That's why people are watching most of my stuff, but I try to sneak in the information and education while, you know, things are trying to eat me too. Absolutely. How did, how did you end up getting into wildlife biology in the first place? Uh, in college, you know, so, I mean, I've always been passionate about wildlife and I want to do my part to try to help wildlife. So when I was in college, um, I got linked up with some, some really good people who worked at various universities. Like I went to FIU, but then I also worked with a lot of people at university of Florida and their herpetology department. And, uh, so I have all my academic publications through university of Florida and it's all in invasive species biology. And so Mm -hmm. that's, um, like the leading cause of species extinction worldwide is deforestation, but number two is actually invasive species. So that's something I've learned a lot about and become very passionate about. Like I'm sure you've heard about the pythons out here in the Everglades, you know? Dude, that's gnarly. That's funny you bring that up because we have these fish in Oregon. It's an invasive species. They're called, uh, uh, what are they called? They're, anyways, they, they kill all the other fish. And Fishing Game literally tells you just get rid of them when you get them yeah. because they are killing all the salmon and Oh, squawfish. That's what they are. Squawfish. Yeah. And they're super like, they're invasive. They're, they're bad fish, but, um, how, dude, that's so gnarly. I didn't like, it's kind of cool to talk about this stuff for me too, because I, I don't really know much about why or how invasive species got there in the first place. So let real quick, let's go off topic. I want to talk to you about that. How the heck yeah. do invasive species get there in the first place? Oh, no, no, this is not off topic. This is exactly on topic because if people can listen to this and learn about invasive species and really how they get started, this helps prevent them from getting started because it typically is from the pet trade. A huge amount of our invasive species are due to the pet trade. Now, I don't know about specifically the squawfish, but uh, I actually this morning I spoke at a uh, university talking about invasive species specifically to a whole university class. And, you know, we're talking about the pythons a lot, but a big one I was drawing them in on too are the fish. Here in the Mm -hmm. Everglades, the majority of fish that you find are not native. It is crazy. When I'm out there and, you know, I love my gators and I'm out there looking at the alligators, but like when I look around at everything around the gators and I'm out there diving in the Everglades, you'll see Mayan cichlids, Oscars, peacock bass, grass carp, uh, just all kinds of stuff. I mean, it's a never ending list. There's so many. And again, pet trade. 
people buy them as pets. They don't really think about it. And, you know, if they have to get rid of their fish tank or they have to move, or, you know, whatever various reasons there might be, they're like, well, I feel bad for my pet. I don't, what am I going to do? I, I've had this fish for years. I'm not going to flush him down the toilet. I'm going to let him go and he'll be happy. Yeah. It would, yeah. Not realizing like he's not going to, well, he might be happy, but uh, the other animals aren't when he eats everything. Yeah. So what does that do for the environment with, especially like for fish and stuff? Yeah. So when we're out here, I mean, the majority biomass of fish that you see in some of these areas, I'm not kidding you, like 90% of it is invasive fish. And it's completely rewriting the whole ecosystem out there and changing things up. You know, I have photos um, where you'll see in one photo, there's like five different invasive fish in one photo, different species, and they're from all over the world. And it's really an experiment. We don't know what's going to happen. You know, we don't know what the effects down the line are going to be or what the system's going to turn out to be like, because you got stuff from Australia, Africa, South America, Mexico, all interacting in the same waterway now. Dude, that's pretty sketchy. That's kind of gnarly. Yeah. So, don't, it's, so long story short, don't uh, put goldfish in your local pond. Yeah, don't release anything. If you have any kind of animal, any kind of pet, I don't care what it is, don't let your pets go, you know? There's because... got to there's got to be somewhere that like you can look up online and somebody will come and grab that for you. Right. So because in Florida this is such an issue, they have a uh, pet amnesty day where they will do um they do it at Zoo Miami where you can come and bring in whatever you have, no questions asked and they'll take it. Because a lot of people also have animals illegally. And so got they're it. like what do I do? What do I do with my leopard? And I'm not joking. <laughs> no. I'm not joking. Somebody brought in a leopard to one of these pet amnesty day events. And Dude. but that's that's great though, because it means that they heard about it and they were like, you know, I shouldn't have this and I never I never did anything with it before because I'll get arrested. What do I do? Like, hi officer, I have this thing illegally, but I can't take care of it anymore. Can you take it before I release it and it gets it kills somebody? So it's it's a really good thing, you know. So a lot of people brought in animals that were illegal and and gave them over instead of releasing them. So that's that's awesome. So what exactly did you study in college? So um well I just did the bachelor's of science route. So okay. I, I know yeah. So a lot of people are like, oh you didn't get your PhD and I'm like, well Honestly, I thought about it a lot, but in my line of work, it would have been a lot more money with no increase in pay for what I do. <laughs> so yeah. I just stuck with the basic bachelor's. It's eh, it's not that big, but um, but it got me places. It got I got publications, you know. We kind of talked about how you got into your career path. I mean, from a young age, you talked to me last time about how you were so into animals. You were catching alligators when you were a kid. You know, you're kind of a nut. You really are. You're, you're gnarly. And like we talked about the last time I was like, ah, I don't know. I don't know if I want to do that. But um, what influenced you to get into such a unique career that you're in right now? I mean, so I've always loved animals. You know, we talked about that last time, like, the, you know, the kind of crazier side. And I always loved animals. But not only do I want my, um, if you want to say it this way, my selfish desire of interacting with animals, because that's about me. It's not selfish in like the mean way. It's selfish just in the honest meaning of the word. That's about me. I enjoy that. Um, yeah. But the conservation side, you know, I want to help them too. It's not just of my interactions like, oh, I love them. So I want to help them or I want to interact with them, but I also want to help them. So like the ones I have in my house, you know, like that's awesome. I could be totally satisfied on that level of selfishness of like, oh, I interact with the animals in my house. I don't need to do anything else. But I want to try to help the animals out there that I'll never interact with. But, you know, I still want to help and save them. Do you do anything uh, that we I mean, I've talked to you a lot about this stuff, but there's probably stuff that you do on the sidelines that not a lot of people know about with conservation and animals and stuff like that. And 
is talk to me about that because there's got to be stuff that you do. I know oh. your personality and what you do. So yeah, yeah. So um, I mean, so on the uh, professional side, like the documentation of invasive species, like I was saying before, uh, we think about big stuff. You know, big python stuff like that. I've documented a lot of lizards, like little wow. tiny lizards that uh, nobody cares about, and they're not. I'm not going to say they're negligible, but they're not really causing a big environmental impact and they're not getting any media attention. So nobody really cares about that, but it's important to document them because maybe down the line they do cause an issue. Um, yeah. So, you know, the basic documentation of these kinds of things, I've spent countless hours out there trying to find this little tiny lizard. Somebody saw him put a picture on Facebook or something. I'm like, oh, that's not supposed to be there. I need to find that thing, document it and find out what species it is and get the data on it. So I've spent a ton of time doing that. Uh, and then at my house, uh, as far as just like helping animals, uh, I recently made a, a nonprofit wildlife rescue with my girlfriend here. And so we have a bunch of rescue animals at the house. And, you know, that's a small scale about animal conservation, but it is, you know, we're saving a lot of uh, animals. Uh, we've had to go catch a rabbit last week. It's just a, it's just a little bunny, but it, it was a, you know, domesticated rabbit that's out there and is going to get killed. And just trying to yes. save that, it's, Nobody cares about that. It's just a little rabbit. Yeah. It doesn't, it's not going to get views like my alligator videos, but I'm doing it because I want to save animals. I love that. That's rad. Yeah, dude, speaking of that, let's, let's go into the, the gators real quick. How long have you been working with gators? I know it's probably a, a timeline. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, like we said before, when I was a kid, you know, I was interacting with them, obviously smaller scale, but you know, you are learning the behavior, you are learning about them. So, I mean, really, it's like 20 years because it's since I was like a little kid. But I mean, as an adult, I mean, as soon as I had a job, my first job had an alligator there. And I was working there when I was like, uh, what, 16, you know, so officially since I was 16, you know, Dude, that's but, so um, early. Yeah, but the gator stuff, I mean, you know, we rescue the nuisance alligators and that that's conservation right there, trying to save the nuisance alligators. And then also, again, wildlife education, just trying to teach people alligators are yeah. not out to get you. You know, you don't have to hate and fear them. We can help save them, you know. What's your uh, what's your daily life consists of with work? Uh, yeah, it's a lot. I wear a lot of different hats. So like I usually do Friday, Saturday, doing my underwater gator tours with Casper. And then I usually do Sunday and Monday, I do the gator presentations uh, at, uh, at Everglades Holiday Park. And then on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, I'm either editing the photo packages or working on YouTube videos, or I'll go try to run a shark dive. And that's basically my work week. It's seven days a week, usually. Dude, that's not how is Casper? Oh, he's doing good. He's doing good. Yeah, dude, that guy's so scary. I don't know why I was so scared, dude. I, that was so fun. I want to come swim with Casper again, hang out. I want to see you again, dude. I want to talk to you more about this in real life. I mean, it's always fun to have you on here and talk about this stuff. So yeah, yeah, dude, I hope you can make you it always. down, man. Yeah, for sure. I had a I know, bunch I of tours of them. I need to come back. We need to go uh, shark dive. Yes, yes. Oh, we were just talking about that. Yeah, we definitely got to set that up and get out there. Yeah. Is there anything uh, significant uh, with the uh, wildlife biology stuff going on right now that's going to impact uh, the society anytime soon, do you think? Um, so here locally in, in Florida, well, no, this is this is across the whole U.S. I'm sorry, I'm misspeaking here. Uh, there's a new bill that's going through uh, that is going to add basically all non-domesticated animals to the Lacey Act. 
And the Lacey Act prohibits interstate travel of certain animals. Uh, basically, mm. injur- they, they say injurious wildlife. So like Burmese pythons are added on there. So now you can't move a Burmese python across state lines, right? You have to have permits for everything. Um, and well, not, not even I don't think you can even get a permit for it. But the legislative side, admittedly, I don't know a whole lot about, but I do know this thing's coming around and I was doing some looking into it. And this is not a good thing though, because it's going to prohibit people from being able to rescue animals across state lines. So if you want to rehome exotic wildlife and you work with legitimate rescues, you should be able to do that. But this is going to affect everybody, even zoos. It's going to be a, it's a pretty darn big deal. Um, And so I've been trying to, you know, get people to look into this and, and try to actually fight this and make amendments and like in theory, it sounds like a good idea, but then it's a little too restrictive. Like you want to make a, you know, the movement of these animals, you want to have it be uh, registered and have permits for it, but not prohibit it. You know, you want to have an eye on it, but not ban it, you know? How can we prevent that in the future from happening? Like bringing, you know, exotic animals to Florida or to my state, California and stuff without having because you're right i mean especially for you like you want to go save these animals and bring them back to your your place there and hang out and for someone like you it's it's legitimate but like you said that it's going to be a hard bargain right so what can we do to prevent that yeah so um I mean, when it's stuff like this that's actual legal, you can vote on it, you know, so that that's yeah. important right there. You can call uh, your state senator, you know, you can personally make a difference, try to influence the bills and whatnot. But as far as like, you know, the law itself, you know, we definitely need to be able to hold people responsible. Yeah. And there definitely needs to be a level of, of overreach on, or overwatching, you know, on this and be like, okay, well, you definitely need to monitor this stuff, but you can't just outright get rid of it all because that that's going to hurt the situation because what a lot of people do is they're going to dump their animals because this is what happened in florida is they outlawed uh tegus the argentine tegu is a large lizard and they're invasive here but there are also a lot of pets and so because they're a problem they are a legitimate ecological issue the state said okay well no more of this we're going to outlaw them and anybody who does own one right now you have to have a four foot concrete wall you have to build around your tegu enclosure yeah like ludicrous stuff like it doesn't make any sense for a regular person Dude, that's so, gnarly so what's a regular person going to do either i get arrested or I build a four foot wall, or I don't tell anybody and I just let it go. And that's what a lot of people did. And so even though this was done with the idea of helping the situation, made it a lot worse for a lot of a lot of these animals because people are like, I'm not gonna deal with that crap. I'm just gonna let the animal go then. Yeah, and then that's another invasive species, right? I mean Yeah, yeah, it's just, just adding to the problem. Adding to the problem, which is scary. I mean, you've probably seen a lot of stuff happen with invasive species. Yeah. That is yeah. not good. So it's, it's like, uh, you know, do things in moderation and, and think them through, you know, in incremental steps. Unfortunately, we often do things that are just, a a, like a knee jerk extreme reaction. And because a lot of politicians also don't understand the situation, especially when it comes to animals, they just know there's a problem and they're like, well, there's a problem with this thing. What do we do about it? And politicians like, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know anything about those. Uh, make them illegal. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> you yeah. know and so he's just like yeah make it illegal okay and that's not you know you have to really look into the issue and understand it absolutely and that's where your background can come into play and you're following and being able to talk to people and even this podcast you know people are listening in right now and that's super important it's good to put your opinion on us put your opinion in on stuff and for me to ask you these questions because i don't know you know i just think oh squawfish when i go fishing when i catch one i'm like why, but really, why am I 
getting rid of these fish. It's because it's killing off the rest of the fish, right? And there's yes. reasons behind that. And yeah, uh, it's good to to dissect that and understand why those fish are actually killing those fish and really uh, get an understanding, right? So right. Uh, same thing with those lizards or the pythons. There's reasons behind everything. You yeah. know, we're not just trying to get rid of these animals just because we don't like them. There's actual reasons behind it. Yeah, there's major ecological issues that result of invasive species. You know, like I was saying uh, right at the beginning, it is the second leading cause of species extinction. It's a big deal. Invasive species wipe out other animals. They completely change ecosystems. Um, they disrupt everything. Because you have to think that, like, when you're out in nature, you know, we, we all know about, like, the, the balance of nature and the circle of life and everything like that. This just throws a giant monkey wrench in the whole thing. You know, and it can really yeah. upset that balance. And those animals have evolved for millions of years to have a very tight knit community, uh, you know, and an ecosystem. And then here comes, you know, a 20 foot python or this new fish that they've never encountered and they don't know how to react to it. And it really messes stuff up. Um, unfortunately, a lot of people who are uneducated in it, they're often like they mean well. Like we get the environmentalists and I'm an environmentalist, but we get some that mean well. They're like, well, protect all of them. You know, all, all the different lives matter. Protect all the different animals. And it's like, well, one animal has a population where it's supposed to be and it's doing well. And then it comes here and it's wiping out another species. Don't yeah. you care about the loss of a species over a population that already has a different population that's stable? But such, something so simple as that, I have got so much pushback on. And because... Unfortunately, the answer to most invasive species is that you do have to euthanize them. You know, they're just, yeah. you, you have to cull them. You don't have another option. And that upsets a lot of people. And they're like, no, you don't, what right do you have to kill them? You know, like, you know, they're yeah. an animal on the planet too. And I'm like, yeah, but they're here because of us and they're going to wipe out the other animals. And because we caused the problem, we need to be the solution to the problem. But exactly. Yeah. People get crazy. I'm telling you. <laughs> uh, no, I get it. I get it. And it, it does suck. But at the same time, you know, like you said, you know, they're they're somewhere else and they have a population somewhere else so we got to think exactly. about that so yeah um what what what's the most unique behavior you've seen out in the field with an animal uh like in general just or like invasives that stay on this just, thing or? just in general just in general so a recent one like by far one of the coolest wildlife encounters I've ever had. Um, I, I put up videos on this on my YouTube recently. I was diving and I ended up in the water between a 15 foot wild crocodile and a 13 foot alligator. And I'm between the two of them. Yeah. Dude. This is one of the coolest things I've ever done. You know, I can, I can show you the photos and like videos and it was insane. And surprisingly, neither one was interested in me. They weren't aggressive, but like, a legitimate like 15 foot croc in a 13 foot alligator and i'm just chilling between the two and the water's really murky so i didn't get a shot of them together but you can see my gopro they're about 20 feet away and i'm like i'll look over here and then look over here and it was nuts what'd you do took a like a million pictures <laughs> and took a bunch of videos get like freaked out dude i'd be i would have just hopped in a boat or went to shore <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I mean, um, I mean, I'm not gonna lie. Like with an animal that big, there's not a lot you can do if it wants you. So yeah. I mean, it, it is definitely like makes me nervous for sure because like it's a big animal, you know. But thankfully, they were both totally calm. Do they normally hang out together? No, that's what makes it so cool. Um, yeah, I have. So I'm pretty sure I'm the only person ever to end up in that situation. 
because finding a gator and a croc together is pretty unusual. And then yeah. finding them at that size, either individual at that size, is really difficult as well. And then not like normal people go swimming with these things either. So I'm pretty sure I'm the only person ever in history who's been underwater between a 15-foot croc and a 13-foot alligator. <laughs> yeah, that's insane. That's yeah. so sketchy. It was, uh, they, they picked it up and put it on Newsweek, actually, because it was just oh, like... Oh, that's rad. Yeah, it was just such a wild, like, what? <laughs> I'd expect Florida. that to be in the news. That's Florida man. Insane. That's... <laughs> I know. You're like the floor. You're the wild Florida man, for sure. You're gnarly. I've had a what, couple uh, of those. <laughs> uh, yeah. What, what do you think the most important part of your job is? Education, for sure. Like, hands down, just trying to educate people, you know, with uh, the following that I have, just trying to reach people and get them to understand, like... You know, predatory animals, especially, uh, they can be scary, but they, they need our respect. They need our protection. You know, um, we do need to protect them because a lot of people fear them and we, we like to kill what we fear. And at the end of the day, like, you really want to live in a world that's totally safe? Nobody does. You want to have a little bit of adventure? Come on. You know, so we do need these things around, if anything, just for that. But no, really, though, we need them for the ecosystem because uh, a lot of it, you know, they're, they're apex predators hold the system together. They're incredibly important. And so we do need to uh, protect and understand these things. And education is the key there, getting people to care about them and see that they're not just bloodthirsty killing machines, but they're thinking animals that need our help. What are what are some things that we can do actively to help conservation? Okay, so. There's a lot, all right? Um, but yeah. there's like, you know, there's super basic stuff like reduce, reuse, recycle. You know, we've heard that one for decades, but it's still important. You know, that's a really big one right there. Not littering is a huge yeah. thing, uh, you know, especially among fishermen, you know, being responsible with your fishing line, uh, not letting like the six pack uh, holder, you know, the plastic ring thing get out into yeah. the water, uh, not letting any plastic get out in the water. Uh, if you're a boater, you know, um, keeping up to date on engine maintenance, preventing oil and other contaminants from leaking. Uh, there, yeah, there's a lot of things, especially as an outdoorsman on the water that you need to be aware of and just be responsible. You know, I mean, that's, that's a huge one right there is just being responsible while you're out there and limiting the amount of pollution and trash that ends up in the environment. Yeah, I mean, it's it's scary to see that. And um, I think the U.S. does a pretty substantial job with trying to prevent that and trying to, to clean the environments, too. You know, I've traveled a lot surfing and I go to countries and I'm like, oh, my goodness, there's so much trash on the beach. It's crazy. And it's cool to to see uh, local communities come together and do beach cleanups or do uh, cleanups at the rivers or whatever they're doing. You know, there there are places that uh, really just do, you know, they do that. That's a normal thing for them to do on the weekends and they get to the community together and they'll go clean up. And that to me is so rad. I love that. Like, yeah, I think that's super good. And when I see a piece of trash, I stuff it in my wetsuit, you know, there's so many little things, even if it's one piece of trash that you see and you pick that up, it's helping out. So, yeah. Um, Absolutely. what are, what, what are some ways that you, you see or tell people, um, how to promote conservation? through their either social media or just talking to others. I mean, yeah, what you just said, you know, promoting social media, talking to others, setting a good example, you know, um, if you're an angler out there, be responsible about your catches, you know, um, about the species you target and the sizes that you target, you know, and obviously follow local laws, but, you know, also just being responsible about it, you know, like, do you need that many? Take what yeah. you need, you know, like, don't, 
don't take everything because you're like, look how many I got and I'm allowed to take this many. So I am like, no, no, no. Think about what you actually need and only take what you need. You know, like that, that's a good one too. And, and promoting that mentality though, you know, you can post on your social media and be like, I caught this many of this fish, you know, and we released this many of them because, you know, we want to see more later. And just promoting that mentality is so much better than the guy holding up a stringer of like, hey, look at everything I took today. It's like, is yeah. he going to eat all that? You know, so like yeah. promoting that mentality is really good. Oh, yeah, 100%. I mean, you get one good fish, how long is it going to feed you for? You know, you could catch one tuna and it'll feed you for a month. So, yeah, um, we don't need to catch. But it's fun to catch and release. I love yeah. catching fish. It's super fun. And there's ways to do that without har- harming a fish. We were talking to uh, Captain David earlier um, about tarpon fishing. We were talking about tarpon fishing and how to catch and release and um, putting the fish back in the or you don't take the fish out of the water at all, but right. you, you put the boat in gear and you bring the fish with you and it flushes water through the gills yep. and, you know, just not harming the fish and putting the fish back in the water healthy and happy. You know, yeah, it's it's not that hard. Right. And we don't need to take all this stuff out of the, of the ocean or the rivers or whatever. And, um, yeah, totally catching yeah. your, what you need, you know, yeah. what do and, you need personally? And just because the limit is this much doesn't mean that's how much you should take, you know, don't, yeah. don't try to take the limit just cause you want bragging rights. You could say I caught this many, you know, show photos and catch and release and then just take what you need, yeah. you know? Absolutely. What do you think is going to happen to our environment if we keep going down the path that we're going down right now with pollution and uh, taking fish and, you know, hunting all these animals and getting limits and stuff? Yeah. I mean, all you got to do is just look at the photos up on the wall of like old, uh, you know, like old fishing days where they'd come in and like, this is the catch of the day. And now you look at like the catch of the day and it wouldn't even you wouldn't even take a picture back in the day. You know, what people brag about now would have been a shameful day back then. And when you look at how small the fish have gotten and how small the catches have gotten through the decades, because, well, so the big problem here, and this is one of my favorite things to talk about, is called shifting baselines. Have you heard of this? No. No, okay. So whatever you think about something, you're comparing it to what's called baseline data, okay? So your baseline data is your norm of what something should be. Now, the thing is that humans live relatively short lifespan, right? So you're only living, you know, around 100 years on average. And we're talking about ecosystems that have evolved for millions of years. And so when we think about in that 100 year span, what we see as normal. So like, let's say when you're a kid and you're growing up, you know, you saw fish this big. Here, sorry, I'm doing it in front of the mic, but just for the sake of example, let's say they're this big. And then, you know, when your dad was a kid, your dad was catching fish this big. And then when your granddad was catching them, they were this big, you know, and it gets progressively bigger. But to you, this is huge. And you think this is big because it's the biggest you've ever caught in your very short lifespan, right? And so understanding that this goes well beyond your lifespan, we have to look beyond ourselves and not be so myopic in our viewpoint. And once we do that, we understand like, they're supposed to be like three times the size of what the big ones are now. And then you're like, wow, this makes it scary. You know, I, yeah. I mean, even for me in my world with the alligators, you know, with the alligators, the record alligator is 19 feet, supposedly. I couldn't imagine a gator that big. You know, a 13 foot alligator is huge to me because the big ones get killed off, you know. And then obviously a uh, 100 years ago, a 15 footer would have been common. I've never seen an alligator that big. You know, and the same with the tuna, you know, all these different kinds of animals. And so that's, again, this is your baseline data. What you think is normal is not normal. 
It's yeah. a very degraded version of normal. And if you it's if shrinking. you could go back and see your great grandparents, yeah, if you could see your great grandparents' point of view, you'd be like, "Wow, we have screwed up so hard." You know, if you could just if yeah. you could see that, you know, that's, that's gnarly. That's scary. That's gnarly it's depressing. Sorry. Yeah. No, I, I know I get it, and it's good. It's a good topic to bring up. But I, when you're talking to me about that, I always think about like photos you see black and white photos of people holding up salmon or you see black and white photos of people holding up tuna and it's like they're massive they're huge and like you're right you're totally yeah. right you know you look at those photos and you're like holy smokes dude i re- like nowadays it's so hard to catch a salmon in the river that i fish in oregon and people would catch those on a daily basis in the past like that was a normal thing right yeah right like when the salmon were running you throw a rod in the water you're getting a salmon nowadays it's like you're there yep. for eight hours and maybe get one. So it's, uh, it's pretty gnarly. What, um, let me ask you this. What kind and, of challenge? Go ahead. Sorry. Oh, I was just going to say, um, a big factor of that is everybody also not seeing their effect over time. So that's, that's everybody taking the limit every time, you know, yeah. and being like, Oh, I'm going to, I'm going to get as many as I can. Cause look, it's endless because in yeah. your lifetime, you think it is endless because there's just so many. So let's take as many as we can, you know, and even then you don't realize that probably before you, there were even more, you know, so it's, it's just wild, man. Yeah, that's pretty insane. And it's, it's scary. It's sad. It's super scary. And that's why we do have regulations, right? And I know a lot of people yes. don't like the regulations, but the regulations can be very beneficial. So, um, and they are, yeah. I mean, that's why we have limits. That's why we have certain sizes, right? And uh seasons for certain things and yeah but um yeah man i mean if you think about it so yeah fish populations are crashing worldwide you know like global fisheries are crashing and so but we also have to like acknowledge the 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 elephant in the room here is that we can do as much as we can but china is out there just hauling ungodly amounts of fish out of the ocean you know so like we definitely need yeah. to push our uh politicians to make uh to try to get other countries to see you know we, we all have to be in this together we share the planet so even if we're doing our best over here you know obviously other countries are not and we need to get them in line you know yeah. we need to work on that too and that's a, a very difficult i don't you know very difficult conversation it's it's a complete yeah, political absolutely. snafu that's scary stuff yeah politics are scary they're really scary <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's why, like, I totally try not to touch politics on anything. Um, but yeah. you know, we're, when we're talking about this specifically, like, you know, the U S can do, can lead the best example possible, but you know, and, and I don't mean to point fingers, but I mean, it is I'm, Chinese vessels. I, I mean, I see them when I'm working in other countries, they buy out fishing rights of other countries and the people there don't even have fish to eat. And China's just shipping back hundreds of millions of tons of fish. And you're like, wow. oh my God, it's terrifying, yeah. man. So I don't know what the solution there is, but there's got to be something done. That, I mean, that's a huge challenge that you get to face, face on, you know, what, but what are, what are some other challenges that you face when you're at work in regards to this topic? So, you know, I mean, like on the, on the educational side, you mean? Yeah. Like more? Yeah. So, uh, unfortunately what we were just saying, politics is a big one. Um, unfortunately people do take environmentalism to be a political thing and they associate being environmentalist with being on the left, Mm -hmm. left or right doesn't matter. 
we all live here the same. We all have to share the same resources, red, blue, whatever. It does not matter, you know? And so unfortunately I, I see that a lot, you know, especially uh, with people, you know, my friends who are Republican and they're just like, yeah, but like environmentalism is a left thing. And I'm like, no, no, it's not, man. We all share the same resources. We all have to work together. You can disagree about other stuff, but we're breathing the same air, bro. We're eating the same stuff. We have to yeah. work together to preserve it. No, totally. I, I agree with that a hundred percent. And um, you know, I'm in the ocean every day, so it's good to, it's funny because I go out and I'll go lobster fish and there's, I think it's three and a quarter inches from the, the hooks on their, or the two little things in the front of them to the back of their shell. And, uh, I'll get them sometimes where I'm like, oh, this one's legal, but you know, I want a bigger one, right? You just, I'll let the smaller ones go just cause, cause I'm like, okay, this one can get bigger. You know, this one might have a chance or whatever and maybe that or like looking at the the lobster too like i always look at them and i go is this one pregnant or is this one a female yes. or a male and exactly you kind of look at that stuff right and yeah. uh especially to me that's really thing. important to look at oh 100 yeah so you want those things to repopulate you know we want the yeah. we want lobster to to keep going and we want anything anything that we're hunting or fishing or doing whatever with we want them to keep populating and that's the biggest thing overall yeah, that's how I try to What advice people, would you go ahead? Well, I was just gonna say, yeah, if you know, if you're out there and you get you get a female anything, try to let the females go. Yeah. You know, like always try to let the females yeah. go. Cause you know, we need those mothers out there. One male can hit multiple females. We we all know that. So let the females go, let them reproduce, you know? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Sorry, well, that was I a, mean that was a funny I meant I'm in the animal world. I don't know what you're thinking over there, Karen. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No worries. What What advice would you give somebody going into your line of work? Um, try to keep your head up. Don't get depressed. It's real easy to get depressed, you know. And when you look at the, especially the more you look into this stuff, I try to be positive all the time. But the more you look into yeah. it, and you're just like, bro, the world is burning down around us. We are destroying the planet, and it's really hard to just be like throw your hands up in the air and be like, well, whatever, we're screwed, right? And it's like, no, you got to try. You got to do what you can. Even if we're losing the war, you still got to fight the battles and try, you know, because you never know what's going to make yeah. a big difference. So it's it's super easy to get pessimistic and just not even want to do anything. Absolutely. Chris, thanks so much for coming on again, dude. I really appreciate your time. Yeah, absolutely, dude. Thanks it's for having fun. me. Yeah, dude, it, it was fun. I, I, I'm super stoked we brought this up too because I think it's a really important topic. I know last time we were just talking about your life and about how wild you are with animals and how crazy you are. And, you know, I look up to you and stuff. I'm like, oh, you swim with <laughs> sharks, you swim with alligators and, and crocodiles and all this stuff. But there's more to it, right? Um, that's why you're in this line of work. And it's really, really, truly amazing and um, amazing to hear from you. So I appreciate you coming on. And I'm sure that everybody listening in right now is super stoked too. Yeah. Thanks so much, dude. Thanks for having me on. And, you know, I hope we can make a difference to some people. Absolutely. You want to give your uh, Instagram shout out again? So everybody listening in that didn't listen last time can uh, get it. Oh, absolutely. So you can hit me up on Instagram, Gator Boys Chris, or on YouTube, my channel's Florida's Wildest, or on Facebook, I'm on there, Gator Chris. So you can look me up on any of those. He definitely is the most wild person in Florida. I'll tell you that. Look him up on Instagram, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you guys for listening in and uh, we'll catch you next time. Thanks, Chris. Awesome. Thank you.
Thanks for listening in to Above and Below a Salt Life podcast. Make sure to follow us on Instagram at Real Salt Life. If you've enjoyed this episode, rate and review us on Apple or Spotify or wherever you listen to your podcast to help spread the word. And remember, stay salty.